Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Be the Gospel with Anthony Tijerina. He's going to teach on lies we have all praised. It means that this is part one, so this will be a series. It's going to be very interesting. Um, I don't want to play a song while we're waiting for him to join us. Let's see. What song do you guys want to hear? Hmm. Not too long. Oh, you are back. Okay, I didn't even pick out a song. We're live. Oh, okay. Well, hello, everybody. This is Anthony for Be the Gospel. Thanks for tuning in. We have an exciting message, a very interesting topic that we're going to be covering today that God's just really been revealing so many things through um, that we even started a course. Right now we're doing a beta a beta group through the course right now, and we call it Laying the Foundation. Uh, we were calling it a right foundation, but Laying the Foundation is more scriptural, more biblical. And so this is just the beginning. There's There's so much more to come from what God has been revealing through this series to me. And let's go through this together. Let's let's look at this together and then you can make your own judgments. You can you can begin looking at scripture through this lens and I guarantee it'll it'll completely shock you. It'll completely um change how we see things, how we're viewing things, uh, because you begin to see everything through scripture. You begin to see everything the way the New Testament comes together completely in the New Covenant, and it's it's beautiful. It's it's absolutely beautiful, and it's it's things that we had been teaching on partially. And when I was praying about this, God told me it's time to raise the standard in the church. And I was like, "What does that mean? What do you what do you mean raise the standard?" And He started exposing lies. Lies that we have all prayed, if you've grown up in church, if you've had any time in church at all, even being a young believer, not even in the church, I've heard this these same lies prayed because we're still believing the ultimate lie. And so we're going to go through a list of lies, and we're going to deal with a lot of the, the lies that come from the main lie. And so today I want to spend the time going through the main lie. And then we'll we'll start breaking off the branches um, so you can see them for what they are. And and you're going to see how amazing, how much freedom, how much joy, how much of of everything that's in Christ that we're, we're meant to be partakers of that we've been missing out because we think we need to do something to earn it. And so let's let's talk about the lie for a little bit, okay? So the devil's been using the same lie at the beginning because the same lie works even till today. And there's so many ways to see this, so many ways to view this. So if we go to Genesis chapter 3, we're going to look at the fall and what happened in the garden. And we're just going to break this down. 
So starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did, you, did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, I want you to pay attention to her response, what she said, okay? Because when you realize what she said is she's not even directly quoting what God said. So for whatever reason, she paraphrased or she didn't know what God said. Because remember, when, when God gave the commandment, we go to Genesis 2, and he says, But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And that's verse 17, Genesis 2:17. So God's words are very specific. You shall surely die, right? So we, when we continue on, we see the response of the serpent to the woman. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. He's directly quoting what God had said, but in the reverse, in the opposite. And he's lying to her. In the exact opposite. But look at his, his excuse here. Verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here the serpent directly goes against the word of God, which is actually an assault on God, is an attack on God, right? Because he's challenging what God said. So you can clearly see rebellion there. But look at this. He's telling them, God is holding back from you. If we go to Genesis 1, we see that he put him, or Genesis 2, we can see that he put him right smack dab in this paradise. After time reading through it, you see that they had gold, they had silver, they had precious rubies. They didn't even need money. They didn't need finances. They didn't need resources like that. But God had already provided it for them. Not only that, he gave them dominion over everything. He was walking with them in the garden on a regular basis. They had perfect relationship with him. And we don't even know how long this went on. There's, no, there's nothing that says, oh, this went on for this many years. No, we, we have no idea how long this went on. So it could have been a week. It could have been years. It could have been centuries. Chose to believe the serpent over the character and the nature of God. Now think about this. So here's the lie. The lie is that you are, okay, understand. If, if you are a sinner, now understand what I mean. You, you make a practice of sinning and you do it because you don't know Jesus Christ. Okay? So let's, let's clarify it. Let's keep it simple. Let's not get into any hairy stuff. But let's say you as a believer, 
if you are a believer, you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe that he bought and paid for you, that the, the ordinances that were written against you, that incriminated you, that they're blotted out by his blood, then you have nothing written against you anymore. It's, it's canceled out, right? So it doesn't mean that you return to sin because you've been freed from sin. And this is Romans going straight through it. So we're not into any of this hyper-grace, oh, greasy grace stuff. No, 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 no. Jesus came and he freed us from our sin. And so when we begin to realize what sin means, it means missing. You've probably heard the term missing the mark. And if you go back and you research that, it doesn't mean, oh, I didn't hit the bullseye. No, it means you didn't even hit the target at all. You missed it completely. So when you look at Adam and Eve and the sin, is the devil tempted them and challenged them by saying they were missing something. They were lacking something. And the God that they thought they knew was holding back from them, and they decided to choose the serpent's words over God's word. Now think about that. Because this lie is still running rampant in today's church. Intentionally targeting anybody, what I'm doing is exposing the lie. The lie tells you you are missing. The lie tells you that you are lacking. You're lacking knowledge. You're lacking power. You're lacking anointing. You're lacking relationship. You're lacking intimacy. And so we're going to go through systematically. We're going to start breaking off these branches that the devil's been speaking over the church, and we believe them. We believe them. And we've explicitly gone against what the Word of God says because it sounds spiritual, because it sounds righteous, because it sounds like, oh, we are part of the in crowd when actually we're going explicitly against the Word of God, and this is scary. Because I can tell you, We've all prayed one of these lies one way or another. And we're going to go through I'm going to show you scripturally. And so I ask you to join with me as we go through this and we start breaking this down. You begin to see what scripture actually says concerning all these things that we prayed out of insecurity. We prayed out of doubt, right? We prayed out of the flesh or the circumstance or, or whatever, and you begin to realize he doesn't reward doubt. He rewards trust. He, right? Faith. All faith is is trust. He rewards trust. Those who diligently seek him, right? And he rewards those who, who seek him. So so we're gonna get into this. We're gonna we're gonna break this apart. We're gonna we're gonna dig this out. So look at this. The lie is that you are still missing something in Christ Jesus. But nowhere in Scripture will you find Jesus plus. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he didn't say to be continued. He said, it is finished. Boom. Done. Sealed. He created a new covenant. 
So when you begin to, to realize, wait a second, why are we still trying to live a life in the old covenant when we have a new covenant? And in this new covenant, all there is is blessing because Jesus became a curse for us and nailed that curse to the tree that we call the cross. So think about this for a second. It says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and heavenly places. Now, that sounds like every spiritual blessing because it's a, it's a term of absolute every, every spiritual blessing. You have it. You don't need blessing from anyone. You don't need to pray for a blessing. You've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Or what about that he's given you everything pertaining life and godliness? Right? Pertaining to life and godliness. He's given you it all. Everything. Absolute. That you have it all. He's given it to you all. He's given you all things. So when you realize that the lie explicitly goes against the word of God, it makes you wonder, why was the lie there in the first place? Well, the lie there, if you're too busy seeking out your tail, you end up running in circle, trying to catch your tail, or in a hamster wheel, spinning the will, but never getting anywhere. And a lot of you, you can, if you're honest with yourself, just like I've been honest with myself, because this makes me go straight to myself and say, have I experienced true spiritual growth? Seeking after what everybody says I'm missing. And you can say, well, I've learned a lot. Okay. But has it changed your circumstance? Has it changed where you're at? Because if it's, a, if it's honest truth that you're learning, that you're diving into, it brings freedom. It brings liberty. It brings change and transformation. All the way across the board. I'm telling you, as we start going through some of these things, it's going gonna, it's gonna to totally hit you, okay? So let's look at this. Jesus never contradicted what the Father said about him. He always said what the Father said about him. He agreed with what the Father said about him. And so I have to ask you one question. Okay, let's let's start at the beginning of this. It says that we've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, that he, he was reconciling the world through Christ unto himself. And if you go up a couple of scriptures there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you find that it says that he reconciled us into Jesus. So he brought us into himself. That's the case, and we know it is, because we can go to 1 Corinthians 6.17. We can go to 1 John 4.17. We can go through a number of scriptures that constantly says, as he is, so are we. We are one. He who joins the Lord is one spirit with the Lord, right? All these things, he's made us one. John 17, this was Jesus' prayer. 
let uh, let them be one as we are one. And we know that Jesus prayed perfect prayers and he gets the answers for those prayers because he has a perfect relationship with God. So let's knock down one of the big branches right now. One of these big branches is, here's the lie, here's the branch. You need to earn a relationship with God. What? I've never said that. Oh, you don't have to say it. You show it by your actions. You show it by what you teach other people to do. You have to read the Word of God. You have to pray every day. You have to speak in tongues. You have to fast, right? So here we are. We were told at the very beginning that it has nothing to do with us and everything to do by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And then we come into the family, and then we have all these rules and regulations and checklists that we throw on people thinking that this is what's going to help them, this is what's going to benefit them. In all reality, is we, we start off in the spirit, as it says in Galatians chapter 3, and we immediately take them into the flesh. We immediately take them into carnality that they have to do something to earn that relationship with God. And this is a lie. Why? Because you have to ask yourself, does Jesus have a perfect relationship with the Father? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes. And in the course, I go through and I list out a number of scriptures that explicitly show that he has perfect relationship with the Father. Does Jesus have ultimate intimacy with the Father? Yes, he does. And he's brought you into himself. Therefore, you have perfect relationship with God. You have a perfect relationship with the Father. It's not missing anything not missing anything at all. Now, am I saying not to fast and pray and, and to speak in tongues and read your Bible? No, 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 no. But the motivation of the heart changes from I have to to I get to. I get to know him. I get to know about his character and his nature because I'm in perfect relationship with him. I'm in perfect intimacy with him. So I get to know the deep things of God that it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that he revealed to us by his spirit. I'm telling you, this is exciting because I can, I can tell you, there's, there's even a point in my life where I resented prayer. I resented having to go and read the word because I had to do it to earn a relationship with God, to earn preference with God. And when you realize it has nothing to do with you, you already have perfect relationship with God, and this comes through Jesus Christ, that you get to read the word to know more about his nature. And as you know more about his nature, it fosters and it nurtures trust in him. And you can trust his word deeper and farther than any situation, feeling, seeing, anything else, because you completely know that you can trust God absolutely, and that he desires for you to continue in the relationship through Jesus Christ. All this is only available through Jesus Christ. So you see, Adam and Eve, they stepped into the missing. They stepped into the sin. They were tempted with it, but it didn't become their reality until they took action into that direction. 
right? It's when they partook of the fruit of the knowledge of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they became partakers of sin. They became partakers of the missing, and it began to perpetuate in their lives and everyone after them's lives. So this is the lie that the world and religion has been ingraining in us that we are missing something of God, whether it's power, whether it's relationship, whether it's anointing, whether it's whatever you want to call it. You can fill in the blanks. And we have series in churches throughout the world that say, oh, these are the seven steps for for intimacy. These are the things you have to do to have intimacy. These are the things you have to do to walk in power. These are the things you have to do to walk in the supernatural. Instead of seeing what Scripture actually says, and in, in, even in 1 Corinthians 2, answers out, and it says you are spiritual. You're born of Christ. I'm telling you, this has been eye-opening all the way across the board. So it's no longer you trying to earn a relationship with the Father. You have a perfect relationship with the Father. When we look at Adam and Eve from Genesis 1 to Genesis 2, Genesis 3, it says that that God was walking in the midst of the garden just like he would before. So this gives an insight. Did they have to struggle and strive and work on the relationship with God? No. They were enjoying the benefits of a benevolent father. And it's amazing. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It, it doesn't matter if it's Greek. It doesn't matter if it's Hebrew. Sin means missing. And when they became missing, they were separated from the source of life and had to be removed. And this is what we see in Genesis 3. Because of the missing and the perpetuation of the missing, the sin, staying in the presence of God would have killed them physically, not just spiritually. So he did it out of love. He did it out of the purpose of knowing that he would redeem us one day through his son in which he promised the serpent there in chapter 3. In my seed, in her seed, right, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He knew exactly what was going to happen and he spoke it into existence. So you realize Jesus came to expose the sin. He, began, he came to expose the missing and to deal with the missing by nailing it to the cross. Once and for all, putting sin to death. For those that believe. And this is the understanding of the early church. This is why they were able to take off running so fast is because they understood that they have everything in Christ Jesus. And they searched the scriptures daily to verify what was being taught to them. To say, look, I have it all through Christ Jesus. Look, this is amazing. We're talking about relationship. Let's go to Hebrews Chapter 8, in verse 10, it says, And for this covenant is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So where did he put the laws? He put them in your heart, and he put them in your mind. 
right? He wrote them in your heart, and he put them in your mind. Look at verse 11. And they shall not teach each other his neighbor, and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. And for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So all the times you miss, all the times you fail, he remembers no more. This is liberty. This is liberation. This is freedom. Not only that, back up to verse 11. Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. So we won't be saying to each other, know the Lord. Right? So these are people who are in the covenant. Not talking about people outside the covenant. People outside the covenant, we tell them, come to know the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? But those inside the covenant, covenant, it's talking about our covenant and speaking of a new covenant, right? It says in the, the first sentence of the next verse, 13, it's talking about our covenant with God through Jesus Christ that we cannot even break because it wasn't made with us. It was made with Jesus on behalf of us, that's why he came in the flesh, to condemn the missing, the sin in the flesh. Do you see this? All of this comes together. Because Jesus is perfect. He lived a perfect life. He has a perfect relationship with God. You don't have to earn a relationship with God anymore. You already have a perfect relationship with God. The devil keeps so many believers busy trying to earn a relationship with God, trying to earn gifts, trying to earn power, trying to earn authority, trying to earn all these things when they fail to realize already given it to them. And all they have to do is begin walking it out in relationship with God. So he's given it to you already. You have it. That's it. So you have it. Now, walk with him. Let him teach you how to operate these tools, because that's what it is. They're tools. He begins to teach you how to operate these tools so that you can become effective for the kingdom of God. There's so much here, so much here. Before I get ahead of myself, let's talk about two reasons for failing as a believer. Yes, there's only two reasons you can fail as a believer in Jesus Christ. And it's amazing. Because if, you, if you're honest with yourself and you go through this and you, you start looking at this, you begin to realize, oh, my gosh, this is true. So number one. You don't know who Christ is in you. Again, you don't know. This is number one reason for selling. You don't know who Christ is in you. You might know the history. The history of, oh, he he lived a perfect life, and he was born of a virgin, and he fulfilled all the scriptures. Hey, even in our course, I give a list of over 300 prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Amazing stuff. Scriptural references, Old Testament, New Testament, everything is there. Amazing. Amazing. All right? Go and check it out for yourself. But here, we don't know who Christ is in you. So we know about him, 
but we failed to come to the understanding of the relationship we have with him now. And we don't know what he's capable of in us. And this is a problem. Because if we're honest with ourselves, taint God. We think we diminish his holiness by him coming and living in us. For some reason, he stopped being God. He stopped being all-powerful. He stopped being all-knowing. He stopped being the God of the impossible because he moved into us. Because you're the sum of all power in the universe. This is how I talk to myself, yes. (laughs) And so you find it's not true. It's not true at all. He gives us the Holy Spirit who makes us holy. His nature permeates in and through us and out of us, impacting and influencing everyone around us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is why there's a lot of people talking about identity right now. I don't agree with most of them because it puts the focus on me. But we know what Jesus says in, in John chapter 6. I think it's verse 35. Don't quote me on that. But he says that apart from me, you can do nothing. This is Jesus speaking. But guess what? You're not apart from him. If you're born again, you've been born of the Spirit, then you're not apart from him. You've been joined to him and you are one with him. Tells me you don't know who Christ is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is of the world. You see this? This is what John was talking about. This is what Paul was, was trying to get across. This is what Peter, I can go through every epistle and I can show you. Everything's pointing to Christ, that he is all and in all, and he's working his plan to redeem all and reconcile all back to him, showing them the heir of the missing. Stop believing the devil and the lies. Start believing Jesus in that he is the perfect, he's the perfect plan of redemption. He's the perfect son of God who was sown for you and me, not to produce any son, but to produce perfect sons of God because every seed produces after its own kind. And he produces, he, he comes into our lives and he, he plants, that seed starts growing, it starts maturing, and we grow up into the full stature that's in Christ Jesus because of who he is and the very nature of him. And it's an incorruptible seed is what scripture says. He is an incorruptible seed that's been planted in us and he grows up into full stature and we know we look like him because of his nature because we have the seal of the Holy Spirit. And I know I'm touching many things, many, many topics that we're going to be teaching on in the very near future, because you have to understand that everything points back to Christ Jesus. This isn't a basic doctrine only. It's a deep doctrine. And the more we begin to understand who Christ is in you, in me, then we know that we can absolutely trust his nature. We can absolutely trust his character 
Therefore, we can actually trust every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, what does that sound like? I'm telling you, this is something to get excited about. This is something to be free and, 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 and just, there's, there's no words to this. Choose to believe God. Trust in him wholeheartedly. He's nailed your sin to the cross. It's done. It's over. Okay, let's move on to number two. Second reason for failing. Number two. You forget who Christ is in you. Yeah. Imagine that. And I can tell you, I have many stories. I can share many testimonies with you. When I begin to understand this and get the revelation of this for myself, and, and the best way for me to explain this is I was in the healing line, right? I was praying for people, and the first person gets healed, second person gets healed, third person gets healed, gets to the fourth person, nothing. Fifth person, nothing. Seventh person, nothing. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so I step back. Some of these are the exact same issues as the ones before. He says, you started putting your confidence in your past victories instead of putting confidence in the one whom you know, me. I was so, I felt so rebuked. Here I am. There's still people waiting to receive their healing. And I realized I forgot who Christ was in me because I got so caught up on the victory. I got so caught up on the prayer. I got so caught up on my own trust that I began to miss God and I made him take the backseat because I went into trying to heal the person myself. So as soon as I corrected this in my heart, I said, God, I am sorry. Forgive me. I messed up. You are healed. You are the God who heals. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm telling you, this is what is going on in my mind. I said, you are healer through and through. You heal everyone. So I went back to number seven, prayed, boom, heal. Boom, heal. Number, number four, boom, heal. Christ healed them. Because for a split second, because that's all it takes, the devil wants to shift your attention off of Christ so you forget who he is in you, that he is able to address and to confront and to bring the solution to any problem, into any issue, into any circumstance of your life because he's spoken it and he watches over his word. He watches over his promises to fulfill them. And the only thing that he requires from us is to trust him. Telling you, this is a very powerful truth. And if we can just get this and we begin to understand that he has made us complete. Ho, 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 come on. He has made us whole. We're no longer missing any part because he has made us whole. And this brings me to my next point, salvation. God had me looking at the word salvation in Scripture, the Greek word salvation. And I started looking at it and just tearing it apart and began to realize that soteria, 
means to rescue and to save, to make safe. And then I, I looked at the root word of it, and it's soter, soter, S-O-T-E-R, and it means deliver, healer, savior. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. The root word of soter, and it's sozo, which means to make safe, to save, to rescue, to make whole. Now, why in the world did they not transfer over the third meaning into salvation? I wonder. But through this understanding, God began to make me realize and bring me into something that's been missing from the church, and that is the answer to the lie that Jesus Christ didn't just come to remove the missing, because in real truth, in all actuality, to remove the missing wasn't just, oh, I'm going to forgive the missing. I'm going to forgive the sin. But then the devil can make you sin again. Right? That's not a threat to him. He'll make Adam and Eve fall again. He knows how to lure them into the messing. So what did he come for? Yes, to deal with the missing once and for all by making us completely whole because he's grafted us in to the tree of life. He has grafted us into himself. And this is salvation. He has made you complete. He has made you whole because he's given you his spirit. He has brought you into himself. He has reconciled you back to Father God. And there's nothing in between you anymore. There's no chasm called sin. There's no chasm called missing anymore. Now you hit the target 100% of the time because he is in you and you are in him and you are one. This is what salvation means. He has made you whole. You're not lacking anointing. Go read Acts 10.38. You're anointed with the same anointing as Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, what happens? Comes power. Acts 1.8. She begins to realize you have the exact same anointing as Jesus Christ. Not only that, you have Christ Jesus living in you. You have Christ Jesus meditating for you and praying for you and interceding for you. You have the Holy Spirit interceding for you, so you're not lacking anything at all. So it makes perfect sense when Jesus, and also in James, he says, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, You know that the one you're asking, a good father, a good God, a good father who happens to be God, is the one answering the prayer. He's the one answering the asking. And he's not going to withhold any good 
gift from you because he didn't withhold the Holy Spirit from you. Do you see this? I'm talking about name it, claim it. I'm not talking about so you can have six houses. No, I'm talking about provision. I'm talking about vision for the kingdom. I'm talking about expanding the kingdom of God by preaching and, and reaching and going and doing what he's commissioned you to do through Christ Jesus. Will he give you a home if you don't have a home? Yes, he will. That's plain in Scripture. But that's not my point here, is that you have it all in Christ Jesus, the, the God who owns all the earth. The silver and the gold, they're his. Everything's his. And you've made a co-heir with Christ Jesus. Think about it. Philippians 4, 19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hmm. It's everything. So what is he asking from us? He's asking us to trust him. To trust him that we have been made whole. To trust him that he is a, a promise keeper and a covenant keeper, and his track record is listed throughout Scripture. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, he is a covenant keeper. He is a promise keeper. He is a God of his word, and it makes it an easy decision to trust him. It's such a simple truth. You've known this truth. It's been there. But we haven't seen it. The devil has blinded our eyes because he's had us chasing our tails instead of looking up and beholding what's before us. And that is Christ Jesus. Complete in Christ Jesus. The reason why we believe lies is because we've been taught to step into carnality which explicitly goes against the Spirit. But brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been made spiritual. And you understand spiritual things because of the Spirit of God in you. So let's be, debunk another lie very quickly before we, we jump off. Let's talk about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare isn't against the devil. It's not. This is something I'm going to dive deeper into in the future and do more teachings on this so you can understand what I'm saying. Warfare is a fight between the carnal and the spiritual. It goes on in you. Because if we look at the scriptures that people constantly quote for spiritual warfare, they're only quoting half, only half of what's said. It says that we take every thought captive into obedience, into, into obedience of Jesus Christ, into obedience of his word, 
into obedience of his nature, into obedience of his thoughts and his actions. Carnal and the spirit at war. It's in three places in the epistles. This is spiritual warfare. The devils, they've been defeated. Colossians clearly says Jesus triumphed over them publicly, putting them to shame. That's not where the fight is. The fight is in your own heart. The fight is in your own mind. Where the devil has done a good job through religion to get you to believe that it's in the doing instead of the being. I do these things, therefore I'm a Christian. I read my Bible. I pray. I beg. I sing praises. No, no, no. You're a Christian because you are a habitation, Jesus, and he lives inside of you. And he brings glory to his Father. So you, as a believer, bring glory to your Father because of Christ Jesus. Because you're in Christ Jesus, you do good things. There's good works laid out for you. Because of Christ Jesus, through him, in him, by him, for him, everything is his works. He has made you whole and complete in himself. Stop separating you from himself. Receive it above every principality and power and dominion and every name that can be named because you're at his right hand in heavenly places. So go read the the end of Ephesians 1, the beginning of Ephesians 2. It says it there simple. I'm telling you, this is amazing, amazing that God has made you complete by joining you to himself so you're no longer missing, you're no longer lacking anything. That's why we go from victory to victory and from trust to trust in Christ Jesus. Any failure in your life is because you don't realize who Christ is in you. So let's put that away. Let's reinforce in ourselves. Let's gain more trust. Let's put our trust into God, into Christ Jesus, and what he's done, and what he's accomplished. Because this, this is where it's at. This is where we see his promises fulfilled. This is where we overcome. We are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus. He loved us, he loves us, and he He gladly gave himself for us. And if you realize or not, he continues to give himself for us because he's constantly making intercession for us. And he always gets what he prays for because he knows the perfect will of the Father, and so do you. Yes, you know the perfect will of the Father because you have his spirit. Again, 1 Corinthians 2. So who can know the, 
the, the mind of man except for the spirit of man that lives in him, that dwells in him. And it says we have the spirit of God. So we know the mind of God. We know the deep things of God because the spirit searches those deep things and he reveals them to us. It's all laid out in 1 Corinthians 2. You are absolutely complete. Understand this. Don't just know it. Understand this. In all your, your knowing, get understanding. Get wisdom. Isn't that what Proverbs says? It's not going to benefit you if you have all this knowledge and you have no understanding of the knowledge. You have no wisdom of the knowledge. So next time we talk, I'm going to begin going over what it means to know. What scripture means to know. Because if you realize it or not, there's two Greek words for know. One is an experiential knowledge and one is an intellectual knowledge. And we've taught, because of Greek philosophy, we've taught in our churches, in our schools, in our universities, that intellectual knowledge means experiential knowledge. And if you ask anybody out in the real world, they'll tell you that is a farce. That's simply not true. God wants you to experience blessing upon blessing upon blessing, stepping into the the plan that he has for your life. And I'm telling you, exposing this lie will set you free to step into the destiny and the plan that God has for you. And it's simple. may not be easy, but it's definitely simple. All you have to do is decide to trust him and walk with him. Amen? So that's all I have for you this week. Um, next time we meet, I will be going into part two, and we'll begin breaking off the branches. I have listed here. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight major branches are going to be breaking off, showing what Scripture actually says compared to what we've been taught. So it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Well, Dorothy, what do you think? That was good. Um, I'm not sure about the spiritual warfare part, though, because I'm not understanding that. But I imagine you're going into that in a future time. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why I said it, and I'll be able to expose it for what it is um, when we do a, a full teaching on it. Okay. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is so simple, but it's amazing how it takes us a while to get that what he did for us on the cross that we are complete, that we are whole that he did it for us he continues to do his work in us and through us and you know it's 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 not a chore right so, and why does it take us so long to figure that out when it's so obvious that may be a rhetorical 
Yeah, well, a lot of it is because we've been ingrained that, oh, we need to earn it. We need to earn God's trust to to see more power, to see the miraculous, to see the impossible. And you begin to realize, no, you're in Christ Jesus. You already have his trust, and he trusts. And, and the only thing that Christ wants is to trust him. And so I, I in, in our course online, I, I go over the section where I go into Hebrews, and I, and I show through Hebrews uh, many things, <laughs> uh, but also in other sections of Scripture, just tearing it apart so you can see what it says and, and diving into so much that we've been deceived in. And because I, I'm not excluded. You know, I, a lot of things I'm going to be mentioning, a lot of things I've mentioned today, I've prayed. And it sounds super spiritual. But it's not, because it goes explicitly against what the Word of God says. And when God began confronting me with these things, I was at a loss for words. I was stuck to the heart. And there's many things he's still speaking now, but I'm just like, man, when I can sit down and and do a full teaching on it, it's going to rock people's worlds because it's been there in front of us all this time and we've understood pieces of it. You know what I mean? We, we yeah, we try and we know we, we don't we don't when we study scripture at church, for lack of a better term, we don't study it as a whole. It's like, all right, this is going to sound silly. You know how when you go to the regular AMA doctors, want to look at your head, want to look at your belly, want to look at your feet, want to look at your lungs. Yeah. yeah. But a natural doctor, the way they used to do it, is they look at the whole body. God didn't make a a body in pieces. He made it a whole. And if you look at Scripture, and as you go through Scripture and study it, you've got to incorporate it as a whole body. It's a whole thing from beginning to end. It all fits together. And I think we do have a tendency in our doctrine is to snip out a piece here and snip out a piece there and try and fit it together, but it doesn't actually go together all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of that old, uh, it's an old song, Uh, One Piece at a Time by Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, I so do. When he went to register it, he said it was uh, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 39. <laughs> because he got one piece at a time <laughs> as he was working for this car dealership, and he, he created this monster. And that's basically like, what we've yeah. done. We've, by compartmentalizing, instead of seeing the reality of everything that Jesus has accomplished.
And it all started back in the garden. Yep. Same lie, different day. Yep. So my challenge is for everyone in the next couple of weeks until we, we meet again is to meditate on the fact that he has made you whole in himself. In Christ Jesus, you are made whole. Nothing missing. And this is what it talks about, it's newness of life in Christ Jesus in Colossians chapter 2 and Romans chapter 6. I'm telling you, everything One new man. connects. Everything, yep, everything connects. connects. And I'm still blown away because it's caused me to go back again to evangelism and say, oh, there's so many things I need to toss out here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just look at what he's saying. If we start preaching the right foundation, the laying the right foundation from the beginning, we enable the next generation of believers to step into their destiny quicker. And they'll run faster and farther than we ever have. Imagine if you had this understanding when you were born again that you have absolutely everything. You have perfect relationship with Father God and you can trust his nature. And because you can trust his nature, you can trust his word. And because, because of his nature and his word, he gave you his spirit, which is the very nature of him to abide in you. Right? Right. He'll go. He will teach you all things. Isn't that what scripture says? Yes, it does. He will he will teach you all things. In absolute. He's gonna teach you everything. But what do we do? We look for the carnality side of it. Okay, where's where's the formula? Where's the checklist? Because we can see it, it's tangible to us. And it doesn't require a relationship. If you really look at society today, what's under assault is relationships. You don't need to have a real relationship with anyone. You have Facebook. You have Twitter. You have Instagram. You have Snapchat. You have Tumblr. You have this. You have that. And they're all shallow relationships that that feed your ego because you get likes, because you get comments, you get this, you get that. And it's all to build you up. But there's no depth of relationships. A whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I think a lot of people, Christians, who use these social media are are in a different class than. Uh, yeah, well, using it. Unbelievers, yeah, because and win people, yeah. Because I know in my social media, which I use mostly to, um you know, tell people about the shows and I share things that are of interest, not just politics and news, but teachings and and prophecies that people are getting. So I try and edify through the, you know, and I have some good friends on the Internet that I've since connected with, with the telephone. So I think it's what you make it, but it is, it is becoming a substitute for a lot of people. I can see that too. 
And yeah, well, um, I'm specifically referring to the younger generation. Yes, where it would be, and and a lot of them are getting very hurt on social media because their emotions are being played with, right. and they're being wounded, you know. So. Yeah, like I said, it's a, another whole other topic to dive into. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we could talk for hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, do we have any anybody call in or? Um, I posted the number. No, we called him. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of people don't listen live, and and I, I know I'm getting to be a bit of a nag on this guy, but when you do listen live, you can interact with the teaching, so that if something piques your curiosity or you don't fully understand what you know any of the teachers are trying to say then you can have them expound on it. And you can say, hey, well, what about this? And they'll answer you. Honest, they'll answer you. <laughs> but if you don't right. put forth the question, we we can't guess what's in your head, you know. Right. right. That doesn't work well. <laughs> Unless we, you know, once in a while, Father impresses something that, that people will ask, but... You know, it doesn't happen all the time. Right. So. Okay, well, that's it. Let me just pray blessing over everyone. And Well, you're already blessed, but I'm going to agree with God that you're blessed, and we'll go from there, okay? <laughs> it sounds good. All right, so, Father, I just thank you for this time and this opportunity to share this simple truth with the body of Christ. And I pray that your word throws out and impacts and changes and transforms and completely revolutionizes their life and how they conduct themselves, how they see themselves, and they become just like Christ in complete wholeness, that they're not moved by anything except for what your word says. Just like Jesus. They won't even speak contrary of themselves they will not contradict what your word says about them. So, Father, I thank you right now that this understanding, this revelation pushes through the, the veil and the overlay of people's minds and their, their witnesses with their spirit that they step into their God-given destiny in you, in Christ Jesus. And nothing will ever be the same. So any sick, anyone lacking, anyone missing something, right now, your needs are met. Your body is whole. Your body is healed. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank, thank you, Anthony. And so we'll be doing part two in a couple of weeks. Yes, we'll be doing part two, and we'll be breaking off the branches. <laughs> breaking off the branches. Okay. Do we need to bring the pruner? You are definitely need that one. That and a wood chipper. <laughs> 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 so we can use it as fertilizer to help the tree grow. <laughs> there you go. The tree there you life. go. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you for everything that you do. Oh, you're welcome. I'm going to be thinking on the spiritual warfare now. So everyone have a blessed couple of weeks. We'll see you again then with Anthony. And I'm looking forward to part two. I love learning more about God all the time. And I've been doing this for a long time, and I never get tired of it. It's just He's just so awesome, and he's so multi-layered. I just love it. He always has something new to teach us. So, so good night, Anthony. Have a blessed night. Good night. You too. And good night, everyone. Bye, the bless, everyone.